Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Katie Holder, a 2016 graduate from the U.S. Military Academy. In this episode, you'll hear about Katie's experience growing up in a household with two parents that went to West Point, the unique ways in which the Academy pushed Katie to develop and accept her own identity, what it was like being gay at the Academy only one year after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, and how she's managed her Army career with her wife, who's also an Academy graduate, with her own career in the Coast Guard. If you listen to past episodes, you may notice that Katie has the same last name as one of our past guests, Anne Holder. This is because Anne is actually Katie's mom and a class of 1989 graduate from West Point. If you haven't listened to that episode, I definitely encourage you to do so. You'll quickly see that these two women are extremely humble and it's fun to see how their experiences compare. I'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Stillwater, Minnesota. Um, I went to the United States Military Academy at West Point, and I graduated in 2016. Okay, and uh, to start, can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after graduation, I uh, went to aviation branch and I uh, got Blackhawks, selected Blackhawks. And from there, I've done, I've been in for about four years and I'm currently at a Cabbage career course in Fort Rucker, Alabama, transitioning from Hunter Army Airfield in Savannah, where I did my first duty station, to Hawaii is my next duty station. So pretty excited about that. Nice. So you're really still in it. You're still in that military mode going, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear more about that. But to start, uh, let's go back to the beginning when you were deciding where to go to college. What made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose West Point? Yeah, so um, kind of a crazy story. Both of my parents uh, are graduates of West Point, um, both class of 89, and my older brother is class of 13. So I definitely knew all about West Point. Uh, didn't really know much about the other service academies. I definitely didn't grow up in what, uh, as like a military brat, as what most people like to say. Um, my parents got out when I was really young. So actually before I was born, so I did, wasn't raised like a military brat. I didn't really have, uh, any other connection other than knowing that they went to West Point, but I knew about it. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to start getting recruited for soccer, uh, to multiple different colleges. And I kind of put feelers out for specifically Navy and West Point and, Eventually, as I started narrowing down schools, it just kind of ended up being West Point was the fit for me. Uh, I had the opportunity to go on a recruiting trip there and kind of just fell in love with it. I got to, it was Army Air Force weekend for football. I got to see a soccer game. I got to, I think I saw a volleyball game that weekend. Um, got to spend a lot of time with my older brother who was a going to be here. He was a sophomore at the time. And then my parents and all their friends were together. And it was just like that all of the different uh, emotions and feelings associated with, uh, you know, being a current student, seeing my brother and the other West Point soccer women, um, and then 
all of the graduate connections. I just, I fell in love with the school and the history behind it and the uh, kind of uh, camaraderie that is associated with it. So that's how I ended up at West Point. Uh, soccer kind of got me there and then I stayed for a multitude of different reasons. So interesting. Interesting. So both of your parents were West Point graduates um, and you didn't really hear about West Point growing up very much. Not at all. In fact, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, we asked, we saw their diplomas hanging on the wall. Uh, we never really, unless we asked them questions, we never really talked about uh, West Point experience until we got a little bit older and we were like curious about it. And of course, if we asked questions, um, they would have told us, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, we were very removed from it. And it was, my dad coached at the Air Force Academy when we were little in Colorado. He coached rugby there for a few years, uh, took them to the national championship. So we knew about the service academies. We just didn't, it just wasn't part of like, I, I would say how we were raised. It's a, it was just a very different experience. It's very, it's, it was strange, but I mean, there's pictures of me as a two-year-old at West Point's campus. So I know I went back there, but I didn't remember any of that, pr the prior visits um, leading up to my a kind of official visit, a couple of visits that I went on for soccer. So that's so crazy. A, yeah. Yeah. It, I, yeah. It's very different. Um, and at, yeah, that's kind of like, I loved it. Um, there was definitely no pressure of, involved with me going to West Point. I shocked my parents when I told them. So wow. um, they were very, very open to, I mean, of course they, there were, <laughs> my mom was a little bit scared and my dad was, I think, excited generally. Um, but yeah. it was, yeah, it's, it's, it was very cool growing up the way we did, knowing that they went to West Point and proud of that, but not knowing the full extent of that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, that's pretty impressive on their part to kind of, um, like, be, I guess, humble enough to not, like, put that, because that's, like, a big accomplishment, you know, to go to a oh, absolutely. Service academy, and, um, wow, and uh, that, that's, yeah, that's just crazy, and so, and your brother, you said he was class of 13, so he would have still been there when you went, correct? Yes, yes, that wow. was the, uh, that was my my saving grace, I would say, as a freshman, you know, going through, uh, my brother was a, a rugby player, uh, and a, he still is a rugby player and a very good one at that, um, but he had a really good reputation around the school, and it's small enough where everybody knew me as Will's little sister, but the best part was, is, like, all of his teammates, whether or not I knew it, were around the corner looking out for me, um, mm. and so if I, I, I had such a mild freshman year experience compared to a lot of other people that I've talked to. And I think a lot of that has to do with my brother kind of steering me in the right direction. And obviously if I ever had any issues and I just went to went knocked on his room, he would be there and willing to listen to me for anything. So I, it was mm. such a blessing to have him as a, a mentor and role model going through my freshman year for sure. Mm. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, so back up though, because it sounds like your parents were still a little shocked, even with your brother going there and even with their background, you said that they were shocked when you decided to go to West Point. So was it really just that the soccer program and when you took everything into consideration, it just made the most sense? Yeah. So I kind of, with respect to my other siblings, I think my parents would agree that I'm kind of the oddball a little bit most times. So I think they were shocked just because I made the decision completely on my own, um, weighed all the pros and the cons. Um, and my, my brother also sort of shocked them too. Cause like I said, we didn't really, we weren't raised knowing like fully what West Point was. Uh, he was recruited for football and he had other options for football as well. 
Um, so I think when I shot, when I made, I shocked them. They, I, like I walked downstairs, my mom, I called my mom and both my, my dad was in the living room and my mom was out of town for work. And I just, I don't think that they expected that that's where my decision was going to end up taking me. I think they were, like mm-hmm. I said, ecstatic, but it's just, we weren't, they never put any pressure on any of our decisions as far as where we we're going to go to school ever. Yeah. It never really crossed their mind to say, Hey, you should really consider West Point or Navy. I, that was my choice to put them down for my recruiting letters and stuff like that. Wow. So it's yeah. crazy. It's great. It would have been crazy if you chose Navy. That would have been like a total like curveball, I think. But <laughs> I honestly considered it just to kind of screw with my parents, but I, yeah, yeah, in, the yeah. grand scheme of things, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, I didn't want to be on a boat. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so what, what was your um, initial plan? Like when you were applying and I know that soccer was a big part of your decision, uh, mm-hmm. but were you clear, like what you wanted to do post-graduation? Yes and no. Um, when I was going through the recruiting process, I have, I've always been interested in, uh, biomechanical, biomechanical engineering. Um, so kind of specifically prosthetics and you know, how the body, how you, how it uses, like you, you use these devices to help people, um, help people walk, whatever it may be. So that was kind of what I've, I've always been passionate about that. Uh, and I unfortunately didn't get to pursue it as much when I decided to go to the service Academy though, I knew that they had a very, um, extensive mechanical engineering program. And then it kind of led me to wanting to fly. So as soon as I had made the decision to go to West point, uh, I verbally committed. Um, that was my goal. My end goal was to fly Blackhawks in the army. Mm. So I kind of, it kind of, led me that way uh i really like i i still truly believe that i'm serving and i'm i'm helping the community and it might not be in the way that like when, when i was in high school i really was passionate about but it's still something that i can fall back on and and um be passionate about like later down the line my my actual capstone project at west point well it had to do with a little bit sort of the biomechanical engineering type realm it really brought out that passion that i had kind of lost a little bit along the way Mm. Um, so it's definitely mm-hmm. something I'd like to, to, to fall back to. That's something that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea of military service wasn't like, uh, that didn't scare you off or anything. Like you kind of knew what you were getting into. Actually, I don't think I did. Mm. I really like, I never, I never really crossed my mind what I was getting into, which is like, cause like I said, I wasn't really raised as a military brat. My brother was born in Germany and my parents got out soon after that. And that was really, we didn't really hear much about their service. Mm. We heard less about their service than we did about West Point to put it in perspective. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that the end state of that was something that I learned a lot more about at the Academy. Uh, But it never scared me, Mm. especially considering I was comfortable at the Academy with all of the military training that goes with it. So it was, Mm. it kind of just felt natural at that point. I like the team environment, so it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, so, so let's talk a little bit now about your time at the Academy, because it sounds like, you know, you were heavily recruited for soccer. So it doesn't sound like getting in was really a stretch for you. It sounds like you, you know, Uh, I tried really hard in school and high school, to be honest, um, Mm -hmm. which set me up, but it, as far as getting the, uh, the interviews and, um, the nomination and everything, I, I would say it, it felt natural, but, um, yeah. once I got in, I, I got in, I got the LOAS, I would say pretty early. I think soccer helped a lot with that. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. It sounds like you were heavily recruited um, to a lot of places. So uh, that definitely sounds like it helped for sure. Um, okay, so you got in and you decided to go. Uh, yes. All right. So before we dive into that first summer, if you had to sum up your time at the academy in one word, what would it be? I would say developmental. Mm. And what does that mean to you? So I, I would say that a lot of the things like the, the military, even the academics, uh, since I had such a good foundation from high school and the, the physical, mostly because soccer made me stay in shape. Um, I would say that that stuff kind of came easy to me. Uh, but what didn't come necessarily as easy for me was self-reflection and uh, being comfortable in my own skin, being comfortable with who I am. Um, and so I, I developed a lot of, I would say, confidence and some, still something I'm working on. But I feel like it really, West Point may, put me, it, even though the things that are obviously the targets for West Point, the, like being good militarily, physically, um, academically, and a holistically good per- person working on character, I would say ultimately it found, it helped me develop, develop Katie and figure out who Katie is. Mm. Um, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It, def- yeah. it definitely, it definitely, even though I was comfortable in that stuff, it definitely found ways to make me uncomfortable. Mm. And push you to really figure out who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that, about your time there and some of these <laughs> yeah, things absolutely. that you experienced. So, so let's just dive into it here. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your first day and your first summer there. How did that go for you? Yeah, absolutely. So the first day, our day was a blur. Like I can't even really explain what happened that day. I remember being exhausted at the end of it. I remember one of my brother's really good friends who ended up being my like cadet platoon leader. So she's a rising uh, firstie going into her firstie, same class as my brother. Uh, she ended up being my platoon leader for beast. And I remember I, one thing that I just, I guess I never really learned was how to put my hair up in the, the proper military bun. And we're going out for our R day parade. This is the old, really the only thing I remember. We're going out for our R day parade and I've got just one hair tie in my hair. And I've got naturally very frizzy, curly hair. So my hair is falling out and it's basically standing up on end. And uh, she comes up to me and she goes, she goes, new cadet holder, take this hair tie. Actually take this one too. <laughs> this is what you do. And she literally took her hair out, showed me how to fix my hair in front of, in formation, but like kind of in the back to the side and helped me fix my hair before walking on the parade for our day. And that's honestly like, the only thing I remember. Um, oh my goodness. As far, yeah. Uh, once I got my hair down though, I would say the rest of beast or um, cadet summer training, whatever you want to call it, whatever f- floats the, the boat of everyone. But yeah, it was, I loved it. Um, mm. Kind of like I would have mentioned earlier, it was the, the camaraderie and the, the teamwork that I really enjoyed. Um, mm. I met some really, really, I made some really, really good friends met a lot of new people from all different backgrounds and uh not only that we had the opportunities the soccer teams all together during uh beast in the same company so i i got to meet all of my teammates at least the freshman teammates prior to actually starting our preseason which was i would say 
absolutely a blessing just because we had the opportunity to, to kind of create those bonds with our classmates prior to stepping on the soccer field and trying to learn each other that way. Mm, mm. Wow. Yeah. Did you find that you were in physically good shape for the whole summer, given that you were a soccer athlete and things like that? Yeah. Uh, I would say yes. I actually had, I played in my last tournament with my last high school team on the road. We drove, it was in Michigan. We drove from Minnesota to Michigan, played in the tournament and then got on the road. I The car was packed with all my stuff, got on the road and drove to New York. So like I was still playing soccer to pretty much the last weekend. Oh wow! Uh, I would say that that helped my fitness immensely as we were going into um, to start the summer beast barracks. The only problem for me though, is I'm a person that needs a lot of sleep. So <laughs> you don't get mm. much of that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's good though. So it sounds like you got through pretty smoothly for that first summer. Um, yeah, I would say sounds so. Like you were pretty prepared, you know, um, I'm sure. Did it help that your brother had gone through? Did he kind of mentally prepare you as well a little bit? Not at all. <laughs> I love your family. Your family's great. <laughs> just let you throw you to the wolves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I mean, I say that jokingly, but in all seriousness, I mean, he, he said, yeah, he gave me some bits of advice, but I mean, he's not gonna be able to help me with my hair. And if that's kind of the, yeah. the hardest thing to deal with on our day, I don't know. I don't know what's going to help me then. <laughs> my mom didn't really even have to deal with, deal with her hair until her senior year. Cause they had all get their hair cut. So. Wow. Um, wow. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. All right. So you made it through the summer. Um, how did things go once you entered the academic year? I would say they went fairly well. Um, we had some coaching changes that I think were made the soccer season not necessarily as in, enjoyable. Uh, I loved the coach that we had, but he was an interim head coach, and um, I'm very competitive and don't necessarily like to to lose, and we didn't necessarily do as well as I would have liked. So that was tough. Academically, I had, I would say, a normal course load for uh, a plebe at West Point. Uh, And honestly, like I said, I I put a lot of work into school, almost uh, embarrassingly um, amount of work into school as a high schooler. I spent a lot of time doing work when I wasn't playing basketball or soccer. So it was... That probably served you well at West Point because you, you know, there are some kids that go to that go to these academies that, you know, they're, they're just like really school and academics are super easy for them. And they get to the academy and they have like no idea how to study or do homework. And like, um, I'm like more like you, or it sounds like where I, you know, I had to work to get good grades. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Super helpful though at the academy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to be, it's, I think the, the habits that I made as a high schooler was more than anything, uh, time management and mm-hmm. learning how to manage my time. Yeah. Um, so like you said, if I, I, I had to work for good grades, I had to work really hard. Um, whereas I compared myself to like my brother, for example, skirted by high school and didn't really work that hard and love him to death and still got better test scores than I did on standardized testing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's just, we, it, in that respect, we're very different, but, um, yeah, I worked very hard, but I had that time management skill under my belt where I knew how to properly manage time, uh, get everything done that I had to do. And my goal was to always be in bed when everybody came around for room checks at night, which I think was mm-hmm. like, a, my freshman year was like 11 or 1130. I 
am one of those, like I said, I have to be, in order for me to function the next day, I have to get sleep. Well, it sounds like your priorities were straight though, like getting good sleep, you know, balancing your time. I mean, you were, it sounds like you were a double athlete in high school with basketball and soccer. So yeah, I mean, to manage all of that and work really hard academically, like, yeah, you have to be good with time management for sure. So, um, yeah. Um, that's there were that's... definitely bumps along. The, I learned the I learned the hard way in high school, and my parents would tell you the same thing. They uh, uh, there were times where I got I let things get real. I I would overly stress, and I would let and it was kind of learning how to manage my time properly, and I would just get come have complete breakdowns. And this is in high school, mm, so it took okay. it took a long time for me to be- develop those those skills. But thankfully, it paid off at West Point for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. All right, so. So tell me, um, I want to hear more about some of the highlights at the Academy. Um, was soccer a highlight at the Academy for you? Um, I, looking back on it, I loved everything about the team. Uh, I loved everything about the girls on the team. I really, my relationships leaving there uh, with, with the girls on the soccer team are like none other. Um, as far as the, the playing and I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a highlight. I loved playing for West Point. I loved putting on the army uniform and saluting the flag before games and I loved getting hype and going out and scoring goals if I can and but we honestly weren't that great. Mm. <laughs> it's a grand scheme of things. Uh compared mm. to our competition, we weren't I, I would say the highlight was the relationships, the learning how to lead your peers, the um in a different environment like that. Um and uh, once still figuring out how to balance the, the work-life relationships that soccer versus school versus, um, like, personal life. Uh, so those, those are things I had to work through. But in general, I would say it was positive. I left with a positive feeling in, in my stomach after finishing all four years of soccer. But it's hard to walk away not a little bit disappointed that we didn't do that great. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Was that hard? Did you ever doubt your decision to go to West Point, given that soccer was such a huge part of why you chose it? No, I never doubted the the decision to go to West Point. Looking back on it, it's crazy to think that some of the girls that are super, super high performing on the women's national team and all that stuff are my age group and I could have been playing against them in the big 10 or, um, so that's weird just to look back on it, but I've never, ever said, no, I made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I love what I'm doing now. And I love uh, the people I'm surrounded by now. And that obviously wouldn't be the case if I had chosen to go anywhere else. And it doesn't sound like, I mean, maybe this was the case, but you didn't mention that your goal was to become a professional soccer player. No, maybe yeah. when I was little, but no, not at all. It was, uh, it was so much more than just soccer. Uh, yeah. I love the sport. I love sports in general. I think what I love about it is the competition. I'm a very competitive person, and I love the the team environment. I don't. I couldn't see myself playing sports for my entire life. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that you at least felt like you made some really great relationships. I know it's probably a little bit of a bummer that you didn't do so well. Um, the team yeah. itself didn't do so well, but um, but it sounds like at least those relationships were important to you. Um, oh, absolutely. So what are some other highlights of your time at the Academy? I would probably say the biggest highlight for me, uh, honestly, was all of 
senior year, first year. I just, everything about first year was um, amazing to look back on and reflect on the times that I had. So uh, I had the opportunity to uh, be in a leadership role for the summer leading into senior year with the, the new cadets coming in and, and again, made some incredible long lasting friendships from that, um, that summer that almost every single one of them I still keep in touch with uh, regularly. Um, so that was amazing. It really helped, helped me reflect on leadership styles and especially on a, like a larger scale. Um, I just, I mean, I can't speak more highly about that summer. Mm. And going into senior year, um, I had my, I had another, I had a, like a, not necessarily a, a highlight, but I just, I had the opportunity to lead in a, in a different role for senior year, which was awesome. And then I, my capstone project, taking it back to academics. I loved every second of that. I had an amazing capstone advisor, amazing capstone group that um, was three of us working together on a, almost like a hip exoskeleton to assist with uh, running. Um, and we got to go on a trip to Arizona and participate in some functions. And it was, um, I mean, it was incredible. I loved, I loved that. There, I mean, all mm. of senior year, I think there were definitely some low points throughout all of um, West Point, but I would say all, most of my highlights started senior year. I had my first date with my now wife leading into, it was a summer, that summer leading into first year. We dated all first year and ever since. So um, mm. it's just, I mean, everything. It's just, I can't, it's amazing. It's, senior year is a highlight for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And had you, um, had you determined that you were going to go into aviation at that point then by the time you were a senior? We find out November of senior year. Like we put in our final preferences the end of September maybe. Um, mm. And then we find out mid-November. So I didn't, I didn't know the beginning of the year, but um, I felt like I was, I was pretty confident that I, I could get it. But then you also hear those horror stories of people that are doing fairly well um, um, among their classmates and they get put into a, a branch that they totally don't expect. So there was always mm -hmm. that idea in the back of my mind, I could really end up doing anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, what, what was it that geared you towards aviation was there a moment that you decided that that's what you wanted to do though like what switched your mindset so um i just thought it when high school when i decided to go to west point i just thought it was super cool it's like to me it's the only branch in the military that gets to that does something that's really 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 freaking cool and i mean i'll still stand by that i still think I, my job is really cool um <laughs> yeah. but i would say what kind of like made me very interested in it, especially considering that I have a, a, a longer ADSO due to flight school, uh, which was a little, the only reservation I had, cause I really didn't know if I wanted to stay in the military long-term. Um, so that extra year and a half to two years of ADSO wasn't necessarily exciting for me. Actually, ultimately though, when I said, yes, I'm going to be an aviator is when I got really, really close with my, um, mentor at uh, West Point. It was my math teacher, plebeer, both semesters plebeer, and he, I convinced him, I don't know if it was by choice or if I just forced him, but I convinced him um, to be a soccer representative and kind of like assist with the operations of soccer. Uh, we have a, a series of officers that will 
officer representatives, what we call them, but they will assist with teams. Um, so I, I convinced him to, that he, that should be his uh, additional duty is to come be a soccer OR. Um, next thing I know, I, we, we got super, super close him. And then he kind of introduced me to his family and introduced all of my friends to his family. And then next thing I know, every weekend I'm spending time at the at major Giordano, now Colonel Giordano's house with his wife and his four boys and just getting that home family lifestyle. So how this relates back to aviation is his wife was actually a Blackhawk pilot. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And she had since gotten out, but she would, she told me all these amazing stories about being a Blackhawk pilot and still being able to start a family um, and be in the military and be a pilot. And so pretty much be a badass and mm. still have everything that I wanted. So, which was a, a, a family in the grand scheme of things is something that I definitely want. So I got super close with them and she kind of mentored me in the process of not being scared about the ad. So, because it's not, it's not going to affect my lifestyle for um, that extra year and a half to two years isn't going to make much, much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. So, mm. um, that's kind of how I was like, definitely, absolutely. Yes. I want to be a, a Blackhawk pilot. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, before we move on to that whole piece of you graduating and going down that road, cause I'm, I'm definitely curious to hear more about what that was like for you. Um, mm-hmm. but first, like, were there any low lights at the Academy that you want to talk about? Yeah, I would say uh, kind of what I've, I alluded to earlier in the conversation about uh, finding myself and developing myself individually. Um, I really struggled with being gay at the academy. Um, and it took me, I mean, really, it took me until after graduation to be fully like out to all of my classmates. Um, my close friends knew that I was gay for the majority of uh being at West Point, but it was just, it was, it was tough. And I don't get me, I didn't, I never, I can only imagine what it was like for people going through that when they were during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, because uh, it was repealed in 2011. And I got there in 2012. So I can only imagine like one of the, the first openly gay graduates was my brother's class. Um, mm. And it's, I don't know if it was just me that was struggling with it internally, or if it was like something that I would just didn't feel comfortable about being gay at West Point. I'm not exactly sure what it was it's probably um the former not the latter but I really struggled and that's kind of coming into my confidence in that and coming into myself um with how I was raised and and being okay with me who I am um it was that was definitely hard for me um there are a lot of I guess anecdotal stories that we won't we don't really necessarily have to get into that uh just were were tough they were tough Mm -hmm. figuring that out was tough Gosh, like that's, that's, that does sound tough. I mean, I can't, 2012, um, that's not that long from the policy changing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, right. So I can't imagine um, that, 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 that everyone on campus was fully accepting of that yet. Right. um, Right. Which I, I'm sure you felt in addition to you, it sounds like just internally working through your own stuff about it. Um, knowing, I mean, cause you're intuitive, right? You know, the yeah. people around you and how they feel about certain things. And I'm sure there were certain comments made about certain things, not necessarily even related to you, just in general right. about being gay in the military. Um, I can't imagine. Or just being, or just being gay in general, to be honest. Just, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. It's, it's still something that like, you still hear the, oh my gosh, that's so gay comment or um, mm. like calling someone a fag or whatever it is. Like it's, that stuff is very prevalent. I think would say it's probably more prevalent in the military because um, it's a more like a good old boy society type thing. Um, oh, yeah. Even, yep. so it's, it just, I mean, it was, it's tough. It, it really was, it was tough. It was very tough though. But now I'm like in a very, obviously very, very good headspace. And that's kind of, I don't know. It, I'm very comfortable and open about it now. Yeah. I mean, and you said you met your wife at West Point. So I'm, I'm curious, like, you said you you started this out by saying that you evolved into your into like a comfort with yourself during your time at West uh-huh. Point. So, was part of that you know finding people that you could be open about you know being gay with that accepted you and 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 learning through that like like how did that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. It was um, it was yeah. I would say it's like my closest friends that I still talk to regularly uh most most of them i know through soccer a couple of them were other uh, female athletes i would say all of them that i'm extremely extremely close with that i was uh, originally from almost the get-go comfortable with coming out to uh were all women and um Mm. all extremely supportive uh Mm. especially like especially my teammates it I, i would say that it probably helped that like there were quite a few women on the team already that were out um and kind of helped me I could help guide me to to being comfortable in my own skin uh but definitely it was finding that group that I could be comfortable with and and developing that trust um before mm. I would even say anything once you once you said it to people did you generally find that most people were okay with it Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I would, I did. Well, for amongst my peers, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the older generation, um, they, it, it's hit or miss. Um, so, and I'm still, mm-hmm. there's some, still some people that, uh, don't want to talk to me, don't want to, don't want to be around me when I'm with my wife. Um, and that's just something that like, I don't necessarily need to have those, that, that negativity in my life, if that's the case. So mm. it's working through it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is tough though. I mean, it's definitely tough. Um, I'm happy to hear that you, you know, were generally well received by the people like your peers and that yeah. you, um, you know, that you found your support network in that environment because that's tough. You know, it's, it's tough enough, like being a woman in that environment, because you're already a minority in that regard. Absolutely. So, you know, and then uh, all the stigma. And like you said, I mean, we all know it's a good old boys network and those comments fly all over the place, which I'm sure just does not make it any easier to accept yourself, you know? So, right. Um, but man, talk about having a strong sense of character to be able to, you know, it took a long time for me to get to that yeah. point for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, like my, my wife and I have struggled with some of the, uh, me getting over it. She was, she's been more comfortable in her skin at an earlier age than I was. And, mm. uh, I wasn't even totally there yet when I was, when we first met and started dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was something that we've, I've definitely grown with, with her help and we've grown together in that process too. Well, listen, like the, the women, 
going through the academy and the women in the military and just women in general, like, thank you for, you know, like being brave enough to like step up and say it and, and come out like that because there are a lot of people that I'm sure, um, you know, still feel even to this day that it's not an environment to like speak up about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I definitely get that. Yeah. The fact that you did though, is it's awesome. I think, I mean, I'm sure it feels liberating for you to just be able to be yourself. Yeah. You could say that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. My gosh. I can't imagine. Like I can't imagine. So, but you didn't, it doesn't sound like you received like outward, you know, aggression towards you for being gay or is that incorrect? Um, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say holistically. I, yeah, that no, no aggression. No. Um, I think it honestly is the, the, the generation that we live in right now. Yeah. Uh, especially my, like my generation, so much more accepting of yeah, yeah. Um, the LGBTQ community. Um, so I would say, fortunately, it took me a really long time to come to terms with that and to mm. know that majority of people uh that I interact with on a daily basis are accepting and and loving and don't and not judgmental of that lifestyle that I I have committed to so it's yeah I would say generally no aggression um but like Mm. I said some of the older older generations and communities are not the same which is okay and some I just have to I continue to I continue every day to work on not necessarily caring about the people that are toxic like that. Yeah, but it is tough because I can tell you, like the only context that I have, Katie, to relate to you is the fact that like, you know, I was the only woman on a ship and, you know, with with 25 other old men and they really <laughs> didn't want women there. You know, they just really, really? didn't want women there. And I felt Absolutely. that. It's so hard, you know, and like this older generation, like these crotchety old men. So, so I get that at least from that standpoint, you know, I, I just can't even yeah. imagine, but I, but I can understand that there's some of these old guard people still in the military that have their old school views that really, they're just out of touch. Yeah. With, with and to be honest though, it's not even when I say the older generation, I'm not even talking like, I'm talking more so grandparents and age mm-hmm. and like, and much, much older. There are, um, it's funny. There's, I've had a couple leaders at the higher echelons when I, um, when we're doing like our initial counseling and I tell them about my wife, it's, I, it's, it's actually almost a game for me now to, to read their expressions because I'm so comfortable about it now. Mm. Um, and some people just don't know what to say, but they're, they never judge me or are out, outwardly uh, negative toward, towards me about it. Um, mm-hmm. they just aren't, they just don't necessarily know how to act, which is fine. I understand that that's not something that everybody's grown up around. <laughs> so I at this point I can I can make jokes and and uh have fun with it but it definitely it took a long time for me to get to that point. Mm. Well, you're definitely illuminating why your word was developmental for sure cuz that's it is an added layer of, you know, coming to terms with things inside of yourself um in a, a very already developmental four years, you know. Right, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um but again, um, you, you know, you met your wife, so it sounds yeah. like, I mean, that's incredible. Um, I did. Yeah. In fact, she's a, she has a strong West Point connection too. There's a lot of West Point women in our greater family for sure. Um, 
Mm. So she, she's a coastie, but we'll, we'll let her go. We'll let, we'll let her have that one. But her, her sister and mom and dad are all West Point grads as well. So that's hilarious. there's a strong, strong West Point connection in our family. Huh. That's crazy. So she went to the Coast Guard Academy. She did. Yes. She's the same 2016 class. Uh, her older sister is 2014 class of West Point and her mom is class of 89 and um even though she graduated in 90 it's a different situation and then her dad is class of 90. Jeez like your families this is crazy okay yeah all right yeah so I, I like to yeah. I like to remind my wife that uh I loved her sister before I loved her because her sister was a very very influential influential woman while I was at West Point for me she's an amazing amazing person so wow I knew her crazy. I knew her sister and her mom before I knew her very well Oh my goodness. There's like so many stories. I could, I could go in so many directions here because I'm fascinated. Yeah. But um, all right. So you met your wife. Um, I did. She's in the Coast Guard. Uh, so you, now this is interesting because you're about to graduate. You're going into aviation. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me about that transition now because she's in the same grade as you, Coast Guard. Like how did you make that work? And also just, yeah, how did that all work out for you with your career? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's funny you ask that because she took a lot of persuasion to start dating me in the, in the first place. And I think she knew it was because it would be very hard to do Coast Guard and Army long term. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I was was very persuasive <laughs> and uh, convinced mm-hmm. her to start dating me. And then next thing you know, we're going into um, she really, really wanted aviation right out of the academy. There was a way smarter person out there that said it she would be much better off going to a Coast Guard uh, cutter first and being on a boat first in Miami um, and then putting in her packet for flight school. So she went down to Miami. I went down to Fort Rucker, Alabama for flight school and we made that long distance work. Um, and then she put her packet in and got accepted for flight school. While I was still at Fort Rucker and then I got my orders to go to Savannah, Georgia, which Another greater power was saying, Katie needs to still stay in the Southeast somewhere because I could, they really could have sent me anywhere. And then she went to Pensacola for flight school. Um, so fortunately, up until this point, we've, and still continued to all, we've been within a nine hour driving distance. The longest was Pensacola to, I'm sorry, uh, Miami to Rucker. Um, and then we did... I did a nine month rotation out to Europe while I was at in Savannah. Um, and while I was in Europe, she was in Corpus Christi. So that was really that nine months was the longest we've been apart, but it, we timed it so that <laughs> unintentionally timed it so that it was the, the longest we've been farthest we've been apart. And we treated, it was just like a deployment. We could talk when we can. And, um, and that's a very natural progression for the, for our, the army lifestyle anyway. So. Mm, mm. We've been apart. We're continuing to be apart, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel because we will finally live together in Hawaii at the end of this this course that I'm at now. So, wow, well, that's we're, we're almost there. Oh yeah. my goodness! And and because you're in a captain's career course right now, right? Yes. Yeah. And she is in the she's graduated from flight school and is in the C-130 qualification course for the Coast Guard uh, in Clearwater, and she'll be there until mid-November, and then. I'll get to, and I'll meet her in, her in Hawaii in February. This is crazy. So you're both aviation. You're both yeah. different branches. You yes. make it clear that you love what you do. So you're, it sounds like you're happy with choosing that path. Um, yes. It, it's just, it's just, 
how how did both of these branches are they do you find them supportive in you two being both you know a gay couple but also like it's just there's so many angles here i mean you're you're yeah. in different <laughs> branches like how are they are they working with you here to make a long story short yes and i am you hear i've heard so many horror stories about uh dual military even dual army um couples get staying together and the fact that they were able to make this Hawaii thing work for me, and don't get me wrong, we had to do multiple exceptions to policy, both of us did, uh, to get to this point. But the fact that they were able to make Hawaii work for us, because that is really the only place we could live together. And it's obviously a very sought after duty station. It's Hawaii, uh, for goodness sake. So mm -hmm. um, the fact that they were able to, get, to make this work gives me hope for the future. Um, and I guess keeps my options open that if the, the both services can work together to give us a duty station that we where we can live together. Then I, um, I, I'll keep my options open to stay in. I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm not so torn. I'm not sold either way as to what I want to do, uh, after my commitment. And so if they're going to continue to be as easy as they were to work with, shockingly so, mm. uh, then I would, then it may, it may be best for our, uh, our family and moving forward to, to both for both of us to stay in. Mm, Who knows? I will say it was a very conscious decision for Tori and I, my wife, to kind of to continue to pursue what we really, really wanted to do. She wanted so badly to be a Coast Guard aviator and it didn't work out of, out of the academy, but it was absolutely for the best. And she is exactly where she needs to be now uh, it, with, the, with her timeline and her career progression. Um, she's where she needs to be right now. Uh, me, I really wanted to be a blackout pilot and I, I wanted to be that before I knew her. And we're both extremely supportive of our our choice to to suffer through the the distance so that in the in the long run um we'll have longevity together doing what we really enjoy mm. that's amazing that uh that you guys can stick with each other through all of that because it, it's not easy that kind of distance for sure you know for so many years and i know a lot of military couples go through that but you know but it does yeah. feel kind of poetic that you're ending up in Hawaii together. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to treat it like a four, four year, three year, something like that. Um, honeymoon. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that is great. Yeah, you do. You certainly do. Um, but it's great that you could be supportive and let both of you, you know, kind of, you know, do what you want to do for those initial years out of the Academy, because you both, you know, you both worked really hard to, pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue and um but it sounds like your your focus is changing a little bit now towards like potentially like building a family or whatever so yeah um, absolutely yeah yeah but that's that's really cool though um so so but getting back to just you like with your career graduating from the academy i mean are you you're pretty happy with what you chose aviation no blackhawks and stuff yeah I would say yes. Um, I don't think full disclosure. I don't necessarily think that the that West Point uh, does a good enough job of explaining what you're getting into by branching into the into any branch for that matter. Not necessarily just aviation. I didn't realize mm -hmm. like I really wanted to be a pilot. I didn't realize there was so much staff work behind it going into it. I really didn't think like um, and I, re I I didn't really have a I had. Uh, Mrs. Giordano, but I never really had like someone that was that was just out of the force that had could explain to me, hey, this is more than likely going to be your career path. You're going to spend more, especially if you're a black hawk pilot, you're going to spend more time in staff and you're going to be in a leadership role. And that 
is a hard pill to it would be a hard pill to swallow if I'd gotten that. And I don't know, I would have probably still wanted to go aviation, but understanding that and having that expectation management going into it. I love flying. I loved flight school. It was so much fun. Uh, I love helicopters, and I, but I had to definitely find different passions within the army uh, because it's not as a lieutenant as a captain it is not your job to fly it's to lead soldiers um that's what mm-hmm. the, the army has warrant officers is, the, is their main job is to, to be the technical expert uh te- technical expert of the aircraft mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. not that's not necessarily our job so it was that was a for a little while hard pill to swallow but i just found other passions and that I can still pursue within the army while being in an aviation uh, yeah. branch and still a, a pilot as often as I get to go in the cockpit. Yeah. You know, I've heard that quite a bit actually from uh, service Academy graduates, uh, especially people that really like to be active and like hands-on. Um, yeah. It's kind of like this, it's weird because you graduate and you're the officer, you're the leader. You're not the one actually like getting your hands dirty out on the front right. lines or, you know, so, um, so I get that. I really do get that. It, it, it is, it can be different than what you were envisioning for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I would say so. But yeah. like I said, I probably, I wouldn't have changed the decision. Yeah. I love, I really have loved this career path and all the opportunities it's given me. So well, it's good it's it sounds like you're right where you're supposed to be you know yeah yeah so that's that's how it works you know katie (laughs) unfortunately absolutely yeah absolutely you know you gotta learn by doing and sometimes it yeah just goes the way you think it's gonna go another time not so much but i like that you're positive about it and that you still really are happy with it um yeah i mean positivity is the only thing we can control right that's for sure that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now I need to know, how do you currently feel about your decision to attend an academy? Oh, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. <laughs> really, it's given me, it's given me so much. Um, and I can't see uh, my, for starters, the development that we kind of talked about with my personal life, um, the development as a, a leader of character and a professional, all of those things, like I couldn't, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So I, I, I couldn't take that back. I mean, of course, I would have probably made different decisions along the way. Um, but as long as it got to me to this end state, I, those were probably not necessarily as important decisions. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it got you to where you needed to be right now. Um, it sounds like you're yeah. in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's just so interesting, right? Because when you think back to like, what got you to an academy and maybe like what you thought it was going to be like, it, it's always very different than what it ends up being like. And, right? and the lessons yeah. you learn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no matter but, what uh, anybody tells you, you could have someone that's still a cadet and you're a, a high schooler asking them a bunch, bunch of questions, but no matter what they tell you, it's going to be different. Totally. It's, totally. Everybody's experience is different and yeah, everybody walks away. More than likely everyone walks away a different person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so what's next for you then? So, okay. So you got Hawaii set up. That's coming down the pike. Uh, yes. You're be with your wife. Um, Finally. And uh, how much longer do you have on your commitment? Um, so I can get out, uh, trick question, October of 2023. So six years after graduating flight school, which I graduated in 2017. Okay. Uh, October of 2017. So yeah, October, 2023. The 
benefit of having this extra ADSO is it gets me uh, that much closer to the GI, a full GI Bill, uh, mm-hmm. which we can get eight years after uh, graduating from the academy. When you're, or three years after being done with your initial commitment, you're done with, you have your full GI Bill. So for me, that means I'll stay, if I stay in an extra six months to May of 2024, then I have a full GI Bill that I can use um, and leverage later down the line if I want to. Mm. So that's kind of where mm. I, at least that's my commitment. Who knows if I decide to get out or not. I'm open to staying in, of course, but um, those are the things in the back of my mind is wanting to be able to leverage a, G, a full GI Bill if I can, and especially if it only means I have to stay in for six more months or so. Mm. And I have to ask, like, when you when you change um, locations and you go to different courses, is is the fact that you're gay, is that something that you feel is, like, do you think about it? Do you worry about it? Like, how am I going to be received? Or are you totally, like, you're confident in who you are at this point after everything you've been through at West Point and coming to terms with things and, like, acceptance of yourself and is it is it is it something you worry about at all? I would say going to different courses and being generally surrounded by peers mm. um, or I guess ranks that are a lot much closer to mine, um, mm-hmm. whether it's you know one rank above or one one rank below. I would say I'm no, I'm not necessarily as worried about it. Um, I have no problem with introducing myself as, hey, I'm Katie, this is my family, these are our two beautiful dogs, um, <laughs> we're going to Hawaii next, like the, the things that, this is my wife, she's a Coast Guard aviator, these, I tell I introduce myself and I have no problem with doing mm-hmm. that. Where I still have, like, struggle a little bit, and I, for right or wrong, I have no idea, but where I still struggle a little bit is, you know, going into that, that in, initial counseling as a subordinate to someone that is, uh, three or four ranks above me mm. and being completely honest with uh, that lifestyle. Cause you don't know, I don't know them. Um, yeah. And they're from the generation that I've had bad experiences with um, or more negative experiences with. And so you just, that, that makes me a little bit uneasy, but then mm. again, I'm never, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to, I'm never going to hide it. I am married to another service member. I am married to a woman. She's an aviator in the coast guard. Um, I'm so I, I refuse to hide it, but I, I guess the repercussions of it or the reactions is kind of what makes me a little bit uneasy. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, and I can see how that could be a little bit like you can have some apprehension since you've had some bad experiences with that, that generation. But, um, but man, oh man, uh, we need you to keep, keep doing it. Katie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I will. I will. We'll I'll, still, I'll stay confident, it. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Katie, before we go, uh, do you have any parting words for listeners or perhaps a key message for your fellow service Academy sisters based on everything we just spoke about? I would say I kind of said it a little bit earlier, but um, one of the biggest things for me is your attitude is the only thing that you can control consistently. And and positive attitudes are infectious, but so are negative attitudes. Um, and so, I try and live my life life as positively as as possible. And obviously, I'm no expert, and I have not perfected that. Um, but positivity, it breeds more positivity. It helps um, build cohesive teams. It helps. It helps in more ways than I can even quantify right now. So, if that's the one thing that you can always control is your attitude and your outlook on a challenge ahead of you, then why not do it in a way that will support 
everybody else around you as well. Mm, I love that. And it's so true. And I just got to say, like, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like negative attitudes are like, they're toxic. So I do like that you are, you're super clear. Like when you sense that negativity from people, you distance yourself because that is so destructive. Um, Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. So that's very sound advice, you know, stay, (laughs) stay in your lane, find your people, right. That are going to support you. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's great. Um, All right. And finally, what is one random fun fact about you? I have two beautiful dogs. They're both sitting at me, staring at me right now because I need to go outside. (laughs) And one of them is named Kiowa and one of them is named Lola. And they're both mutts that we've rescued. Aw. This must be crazy to balance having dogs with your both of your lifestyles, you know, being all over the place. But uh Yeah. yeah. But they're so worth it. I mean, speaking of positivity, <laughs> I get greeted <laughs> with a bone and a tail wag every time I walk through the door. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely makes it easier when you're apart from your from your spouse when you have a Oh, absolutely. You know, a little puppy to come home to. <laughs> they're, the, they're the they're the best. That's awesome. All right. And before we go, um, Katie, where can people reach you? I am on Instagram, Facebook, uh, email. Uh, so, uh, Facebook is Katie Holder. Uh, Instagram is Katie Holder 10. Email is holder.katie at gmail.com. And it's K-A-T-I-E. So lots of different places. If someone wants to look, look me up on Outlook, my first name's, uh, Kathleen, not Katie, but, um, only my mom when I'm in trouble calls me Kathleen. So lots of different places you can find me. If it's, if you're still in the military and on Outlook, you're welcome to look me up that way too. Awesome. All right. And I'll put all those links in the show notes, Katie, so that people can find you easily. So awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think uh, you've provided some great insight for people. So I appreciate you opening up about some topics that, you know, we haven't heard on this podcast yet. So it's super, uh, Super helpful, Katie. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.